you've got your Bibles for me, Malachi chapter 3, Malachi chapter 3. For the next few moments, we're going to continue our sermon series on proving God. We'll be talking about tithing and offering and looking at this biblical thing here concerning tithes and offering. And uh, before, if you're visiting with us, I don't, I don't want you to get this, get this thought in your mind, oh, there he goes talking about money again. This is not my word, this is the God's word, all right? So if you've got an issue, take it up with him. Don't take it up with me. And so, you know, teaching some of these things and preaching about some of these things is what we need because it does absolutely give us freedom in our worship to Almighty God. When we can release those things that's most precious to us. How many knows your wallet is most precious to you? Got one amen. But you know good and well you don't want me snooping through your wallet. I don't even want my wife snooping through my wallet. She's part of me, Brother Roger, but she needs to stay out of there. There's secret compartments there. There's things that I like to keep there. You know what I'm talking about. You women, you're the same way. You have pocketbooks and money books in your purse and all those kind of things. And, and uh, you know, you have those, those, those secret stashes, if you will. So the pocketbook and our money is, means a lot to us. We don't like talking about those things. But look here what, what the Word says in Malachi chapter 3. It says, bring all the tithe, verse 10 into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I'll not open for you the windows of heaven. One translation says, prove me. That there will be not be room enough to receive it. When you do that, verse 11 says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Amen. So that he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. All nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Amen. How many wants to be a delightful land? Amen. Let me just go back just a little bit. You remember we talked a few weeks ago concerning that God told us that he wanted us to prove him. He wanted us to prove him not only for ourselves, but for others around us as well. He talked to us about that we are blessed to be a blessing. We're not blessed to hoard things up. Amen. We're blessed so that we can bless others in our path. How many knows that God sends people to your, to your, in, your, in your life daily sometimes in order for you to speak to them? Sometimes it's in a way of speaking. Sometimes it's the way of giving. Sometimes it's just a way of encouraging them. But Brother David, God sends people in our path every day. I believe that, that we are a blessing to and the reason he does that is because he has already blessed you and I. He doesn't bless you so that you can just stick your nose up in the air and say, look what I've got. He doesn't bless you so that you can just show everybody your house or your car or all the clothes and all the diamonds and jewels and all these things. That's not why God blesses you. Pastor, are you saying, is it wrong for me to have a nice house? No. Is it wrong for me to have a nice car? No, I didn't say that. Matter of fact, ladies, listen to this. You're going to like this. It's not even wrong for you to wear diamonds. Now, I thought I'd get a few little hand claps and amens there, but just two or three. Man. Now, I know the husbands don't like that because some of you may be nudging them and say, Look, he said it's okay. Go buy me one of those things. Nothing wrong with that. But when those things get to be above your relationship with God, when those things stand in the way of your relationship with God the Father, then we're in trouble. Amen. Nothing wrong with the home. Nothing wrong with the car. But if, the, if I begin to idolize those things, I become an idol worshiper, right? When I place more value on those things than I do God, then I become 
an idol worship. He told us to be, to be, uh, we're blessed to be a blessing. He told Adam and he gave Adam and Eve specific instructions concerning the Garden of Eden, concerning the tree of life in the garden, the tree of, of death as well in the garden. This is the one thing you can take care of. This is what you can partake of, but this one right here is mine. This is mine. Now listen to me, church. We're talking about tithe and offering. We're talking about proving God. The Word says the tithe is His. Amen. The tithe is His. It doesn't belong to our vacation. I know we don't like to hear that kind of stuff on Sunday morning. The tithe doesn't belong to what I've been wanting, Brother Roger. All right? It doesn't belong to a car. It doesn't belong to a boat. It doesn't belong to, to all of those things that are wonderful things to have. The tithe belongs to the Lord. If you remember, we talked about Abraham. We talked about Abraham and Melchizedek. We talked about Abraham when the kings of, uh, went and, and destroyed uh, some cities and got all of their things and got Lot's things and all of this that Abraham took out uh, 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 and, and conquered these, this kingdom. He brought back all of the things. He, he possessed all of the things. He retrieved all of the things that Lot and all the others had lost. When he encountered, he came back. And Abraham had on his mind that we talked to you about last week that he was coming back to worship. He was coming back to give a, a, an offering. He was coming back to pay his tithes of all the possession. He met a, a king there, King Bear, if you remember, the king of Sodom. King, king Bear was congratulating him and thanking him for, for what he'd done and all of this. But Abraham did not want to be bothered by all the accolades. If you read in the Scripture, he didn't want to be bothered by all the thankfulness and, and all of that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but he had a mission. He wanted to go and give honor to God, amen, because the victory that he received. He come upon another king by the name of King Melchizedek. We told you that Melchizedek here was, a, was, a, was grateful as well. This king, the Bible talked about of Melchizedek, had no beginning. He had no ending. And many believe that, that he was the king of the city of Jerusalem. But he had some wonderful qualifications when you look about this king and some, and some similar qualifications that even Jesus had. Melchizedek was king and, and priest. We know that Jesus fills both positions as well. Matter of fact, Revelations called him the king of kings. Hebrews called him the high priest of our profession. Melchizedek was a king according to Hebrews chapter 7 verse 2 of righteousness. And Jesus is made unto us that we know from scripture he is made unto us righteousness. And in Revelations it tells us that in righteousness he doth judge and he doth make war. And so there's some similar characteristics. Abraham he came to Melchizedek and they had a worship service. And they had several things that was going on during this worship service. They took communion. But one of the last things, Sister Mavis, that Abraham did, he began to pay an offerings and tithe to this king, Melchizedek. He paid homage to this king. He, and Melchizedek is a type of Christ. And I don't have time to, to go back and rehash uh, the last week and the week before, but just listen to me. He was a type of Christ. Listen, you and I today, we're here as, as we've already been involved in and we've already said we're here to worship the Lord this morning. Amen. Nothing else matters unless we worship the Lord. I know you may have come to see somebody, and that's okay. I know you may have come out of obligation, and that may be even okay. And I know maybe some of you may have come out of mere tradition, and, and that's okay. But listen, before you leave today, understand and get it said in your mind that we have showed up this morning simply to gather together to give God the praise this morning, to give 
give God our worship this morning, to give God everything that I have this morning. Understand, God owns it all. I don't own nothing. He's let me be a steward of some things. He's let me have a privilege of being a steward of things. But when it gets right down to it, God owns everything. Amen. He owns my bank account. He owns your bank account. He owns everything I may have or not have in my home. God owns everything. And when I can get that settled in my mind, Sister Kathy, I can leave out of the house every day knowing, God, you got this. Because if God don't got it, I don't want it. There's, there's some times it gets too hairy, right? There's some times it gets too scary. There's some times it gets a little stressful for me, Brother Parker. But God has got this. Not only has God got it, he's got you as well. Amen. He's got you as well. We ended up last week talking to you about the three empty places that the Lord left. When the priest, we talked about the priests and how they laid those hoops in the field at early planting season. You remember, if you were here. At the end of the season, he would go out and he would cut that wheat and cut that barley. And they'd come back together. And he would put those three together, not really recognizing what he was doing. Taking the three bundles from the three hoops, bringing it before the Lord and offering as the first fruits offering. You remember that? And at the end of that service, he brought the three and he put them together, Brother Keith, signifying that it was one. We know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are one. They're three in one. He didn't understand what he was doing at that time, but that's what it represented. And they offered the, the, the barley, and he began to wave that fruit, that first fruit, in the sign of a cross. They didn't understand what was going on at that time, but years later, we've come to understand that Jesus Christ, our three-in-one Savior, our three-in-one God, hung on the cross. He left his throne. He didn't have to, but he done it for you and I. And he left his throne and he came to live among us. He showed us some things. He taught us some things. But Brother Al, at the end, he hung on the cross obediently. No man, no man took his life. The Bible says he gave his life. Amen. He gave his life. For nine months, this guy, Jesus, was carried in the womb of Mary. And the throne upon which he sat for a millennium was now empty. And angels had worshipped him up until that point over and over and over again, day in and day out. And for nine months, they didn't see Jesus sitting on the throne. But can I tell you, on that night that Jesus was born, that we celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas time, the Bible says the angels burst forth from the heavens and begin to sing a glorious song. They've been waiting for this long to give him honor and give him praise, and they couldn't hold it in no longer. Now listen to me, church. I know I'm talking about tithing and offering. Let me stop here long enough to just tell you this. Sometimes we as God's people, we have to get worked up to worship. We have to have somebody tell us to clap our hands. We have to have somebody tell us to stand to our feet. We're conditioned that way in church sometimes. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get in our mind that we've come today, we, got, we left the house, we got in the car for the sole purpose of coming to the house of God with a body of believers to give Him honor and to give Him praise. I don't have to listen to the worship leader as they lead me into song to give Him praise. I'm just going to give Him praise anyway. I don't have to listen to the minister as he preaches and tries to say something that would excite me and motivate me, amen. I'm just going to give him praise because of who he is. 
I don't have to listen to anybody else as they get up and tell me to do this or tell me to do that. I'm just going to give him honor and give him praise because of what he means to me in my life and him laying his life down for me. Is that not enough? Is that not enough for us? But, but aren't we funny at times? We get this thing that we got to feel like worshiping the Lord. we got to feel like this. I don't, I don't want you to do this real hard, but reach over and, and pinch your neighbor just a little bit. Don't do it hard. Now, don't, don't create a fussing and a fighting in here this morning. Well, how many of y'all felt that? <laughs> we have feelings. We have feelings. We understand that our relationship with God is not always based on feelings, though. It's what we know by faith that we walk in this thing, right? And what I know by faith is that he came. What I know by faith is that he died. What I know by faith is that he was resurrected. What I know by faith is at the right hand of the Father this morning, making intercession for you and I. What I know by faith, the proving God, the tithe and the offering that he commanded is absolutely his. And when I honor him with my first fruits, he in turn honors me as well. Amen. Amen. So let's look a little bit. Talking about the tithe. I want to ask you a question. Are we under the curse? Are we under the law? Just think about that just a little bit. Before we're talking about just a little bit about the, about the blessing available to the tithe, we've got we to consider this most, this most common excuse that Satan has given us in these days that we live in. And we've all heard this before. Many people claim that tithing was established under the law. And therefore, it holds no truth to us New Testament saints. How many of you have ever heard that before? We'll try to prove that wrong to you this morning just a little bit. Tithing was practiced before Abraham. Go back and look at it in Scripture. He was the one chosen, though, by God to establish the foundational teaching of this word that we're talking about. And one of the reasons he was used was to simply expose this under-the-law error, if you will, concerning the Old Testament times and the New Testament times. We know that Abraham represents both Jews and he represents Christians. He was the great patriarch. He was the father of us all. He was the patriarch through Isaac and Jacob and all of the Jews of all time. He was the father of the faithful. He was a man of faith. He was remembered in Scripture in Hebrews 11 and 8 in that hall of faith chapter in the New Testament. And he said, Paul even said, and if ye be Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Did he not say that? Go there. Go there in Galatians chapter 3. You'll find it. If you're in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. In Genesis 14, we have a man who represents the paying of tithes for both the old believers and the New Testament believers as well. And this guy, Abraham, was a good example. And we are to honor our fathers, are we not? I, I was raised to honor my father. How about you? I was raised to listen and to respect them. I was raised, Brother Roger, that if I got out of line, Dad was going to get a hold of me. And many times... Dad got a hold of me. Why? Because Danny got out of line. And so I had to, re I had to go back and, 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 and renegotiate some things. I had to talk, Brother Reigns, about some things. Dad, I was doing this, and Dad, I was doing that. But it was Dad's way. We had to respect. We honor our fathers, and we respect their example and instruction. And it's a beautiful thing when you think about that, that this father of all the faithful is the one that God used to teach us about this thing called tithing. Jesus made use of this unique role of Abraham. 
when he told the Jews who were, who were so proud of their connection to Abraham, he said this in John, in John chapter 8. He said, if you are Abraham's children, think about the scripture, you would do the works of Abraham. What did Abraham do? He paid tithe. He gave offerings. He gave allegiance to Almighty God. Most Christians are, 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 are excited to know that, that, we, that, that, we, that we're also the children of Abraham. We're heirs to the promise of Abraham. Yet Jesus' challenge still holds true for you and I today. And we're simply hearing the words in our, in our mind. If we are Abraham's children, then we will do the works of Abraham. We know that one of his works was tithing. The other was giving. The other was giving allegiance to Almighty God. When you look in John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus continued this dispute with the Jews, and he said this, you are of your father the devil. He told them that one day. He said, you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. And he continued there in verse 47. He said, he that is, not, it is of God heareth God's words. Therefore hear the, ye therefore hear them not, because you are not God's. Now, that's some powerful scripture when we really think about it. Some powerful scripture. And so, obviously, when you look at this, Jews, Jesus spoke very plainly to us today. He spoke very forcibly of what his command is for us today. He left no room for misunderstanding in this, in this matter here. And we've got to not misunderstand it as well. We've, we, can't, we can't miss the opportunity here that God has given us. We're dealing with the most serious issues of life. And there is no place for us just to be flippant about our relationship with God today. Right. Amen. We don't need to live our life in relationship with God in a flippant manner. I believe with all of my heart, God expects us to come before Him the right way. Amen. The right way. There is a way to come before the Lord. There is an obedience in how we come before the Lord. You've done that this morning as we get gathered in and we begin to worship Almighty God. He loves that. That gets God's attention. That gets God's attention. You want to you stir up God? You want to get Him to speak into your life? Begin to worship Him. Begin to give Him glory. Begin to give Him honor. Melchizedek, the Bible says, was a priest forever who received Abraham's tithes. He was a priest established under the law of Moses. Was he that? The Scripture says no. The Levitical priesthood was, was, in, the, was in the loins of Abraham and was therefore it was a subordinate thing of the, to the priesthood of Melchizedek. Go to Hebrews chapter 7 and look at that. And so the question is then, was tithing originated by the law of Moses? Of course not. The law of Moses could only embrace the tithe principle because it was already established. The law and the Levitical priesthood always was, was underneath or subordinate to the priesthood of Melchizedek. Go back and read. Tithing preceded the law. The law then had to embrace this, this, this thing called tithing. And it succeeded the law as we'll look at the New Testament. So another question, is the priesthood of Melchizedek still in effect under grace today? What does the Bible say about it? You go to Psalms, you go to Hebrews, you'll find the scripture. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, according to Hebrews 7 and 3, was made unto the Son of God. He abideth a priest continually. 
He abideth a priest continually. So what are you saying, Pastor? It says here in the Scriptures in, in Hebrews 7, For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident, for that after the likeness of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Talking about Jesus Christ. We know Jesus to be our priest and Lord today, right? We know that he's that way. Hebrews verse 24 says, But this man, but this man, because he continueth forever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. So, Brother Adam, what does that tell me? That tells me that he's the same in the Old Testament and he's the same in the New Testament. He has an unchangeable priesthood. He has an unchangeable way of doing things. He doesn't change. How many knows God doesn't change? God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same Lord. Amen. So tithing was taught to us through the example of Abraham, the father of the Jews and the Christians. All believers today need to claim the blessing of Abraham. How many of you do it? I claim the blessing of Abraham. Amen. I'm a blessed man today. How about you? We're blessed people today because we come from the Abrahamic covenant. But some even object to this following. We know tithing was the endless, was the endless uh, priesthood of Jesus in the Old and the New Testament. Tithing was taught to us centuries before the law. Paul even used it to point to us, to teach us that the law of Moses, the law of Moses could not terminate the covenant of Abraham. Think about that. The law of Moses could not terminate the covenant. And of course, he, we, 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 didn't, we, didn't, we, we know that it didn't. But those who rebelled against this tithing principle must come again to this, to this great volume and, and they're, they're lined up with this great volume of scriptures that speaks against what we think sometimes and proves to us what we're talking about. Think about this. Talk about the law and logic of how we think today. The law of Moses declared, There shall have no other gods before me. That's what we, that's what we read about in the Old Testament, right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. Now let me ask you a question. Does God then allow Christians to have other gods before him? The answer is no. But do we live under grace then? We live under grace, so why does it? Why, why doesn't we? But we know that to be a fact. We know that. Now we have, to, we have to understand this law versus this logic thing. We're under grace. The law does not, does not pertain here. Why can't we have other gods then before us? It's a ridiculous answer. It's a ridiculous question, isn't it? Here's another one. Verse 13 says, Thou shalt not kill. We know that to be true, right? We ain't supposed to go around killing folk. We ain't supposed to go around and, and taking people out. But does God allow Christians to kill? No, he does not allow Christians to kill. But we're not under the law anymore. That was given in the law, Brother Roger. So are we still supposed to abide by that because we live in New Testament graces? There's another scripture in verse 15 says, Thou shalt not steal. How many likes a thief? I don't see any hands. I don't like a thief. I don't like folks taking what's mine, right? You don't like folks taking what's yours. But is it okay under grace? Because we live in New Testament times. Many Christians, though, rob God, you know. So it must be all right. There's another thing that says, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Matter of fact, when you go back in Scripture and you look at that, that's a serious sin back then. You could die because of that. But we live under grace, so what is, what, what, what is the Scripture saying here? We, now, we understand the point. We're not supposed to do any of those things. We're living in New Testament times. And although we're not under the same law, the same sins are still forbidden for you and I today, right? 
Jesus warned that, that unless our righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, we will all certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's apparent to us then that we are still accountable for the spirit of the law. We're still accountable to what we do and what we not do. Amen. We're still accountable for our actions. We're still accountable for what we believe and what we not believe. So how can anyone reason that the God who, who purposed this thing to conform us to Christ has no longer has any more standards anymore? God still has standards. The Lord still has standards. Yes, we live in New Testament times. Yes, we live under grace. And thank God we live under grace. Because can I tell you, church, if you lived under New Te Old Testament times, I don't know if any of us could be here today. Thank God for grace. Thank God for his mercy. Now, I don't believe we're supposed to abuse him, but I do thank God that when I find a need and I'm in trouble and I need the mercy and the grace of God, that he is always faithful to be right there what I need. Amen. Thank God for his mercy. And I do think, this is not in my notes, but let me tell you this, I do think sometimes we take this thing of mercy and grace a little bit too far. We straddle the fence many times. And we think all oh, the mercy and grace of God will take care of me. And yes, it will. But you better be careful. You better be careful straddling the fence. I don't know how you guys was, but the fences we used to, we used to straddle was those barbed wire fences. And sometimes you get your britches all hung up in them. You better be careful. In the spiritual realm... You're going to get hung up trying to balance these things in your life. Amen. Try to balance the things in your life. So we've got to follow the Lord. We've got to follow the Lord. We've got to follow what he is saying to us. How many knows that God is our creator? God is our creator. God is our creator. God is our source today. God is our strength today. He is the sustainer today. It is in his power to bless us for, for faithfulness. It is, it is his good pleasure to bless us. It is his promise that he has given us that he can bless us. Now listen to me. You've heard me say this before, but I've, I've learned growing up my own way, and you have your own way of tithing. What Karen and I do, we, when we get our check, we first thing we do, we, we might put it in the bank, but the first check we write out is to the, is to the church, to the tithe. Why? Because I, I understand the value, Brother Sam, of, of how God blesses me because of that. Now, I'm not saying God can't bless you if you, if you, if you write out your, your lot bill or your gas bill first and then write it. That's not what I'm talking about. But, I, but that's the value that we place on it ourselves. And it goes to God. We bless God with it. And I can tell you, you can look at me. I've not gone without any food. I've got a roof over my head. God is still faithful, amen. And for all of my life, he still remained faithful, amen. God is blessed, and God is touched, and God is strengthened, and God is healed, and God is set free, and God has done all these things, and I attribute it to the faithfulness of you and I when we are obedient in our giving and to God, and we bless God with those things. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me talk to you about some, right before we go, some, some common questions that we may have. People talk about many times. Words or works. Sometimes our words speak louder than our actions, don't they? James chapter 2, verse 17, he talked about that some of us are inclined to limit our good deeds or our good works. He said this, is, if a brother comes to us in need and we say to him, be warmed and be fed, but we give him no assistance, then what good is it? He said, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. The same is true with the Lord. If we receive God's grace, then we have faith. Every man has been given a measure of faith. 
When we have a vital faith, it will produce the fruit of good works and not just words in us. It's just not going to be hot air coming out of us. Amen. How many knows that when we, when we disciple someone and we evangelize somebody, sometimes it takes money. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes you have to stop doing what you normally do and spend time with that individual. We know that. We know that. This is the same thing we're talking about here. If we've got vital faith, it'll produce the fruit of good works and not just words in us. It's foolish for me to say, hey, go and be fed and go and be clothed and me not give them any clothes whatsoever. What kind of faith is that? Where am I putting my faith? Where am I, where am I putting my actions to that, to that faith that I have? But I've got to give this. I've got to do this for this particular person. We're not, we're not just going to give lip service, in other words. We'll demonstrate the ownership through the tithe or the offering. We'll prove that grace is not greed. It's the motivating force in our lives. There are always, there are always a few. Always a few. If you want to talk about grace and God's ownership, about giving money much more than the tithe. But most of those individuals just simply talk. They just simply talk. James said in James chapter 2, verse 18, Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And so our stewardship shows what is really going on on the inside of our spirit. Our pocketbook. Let me look at your checkbook for a little while. I can tell you where your heart is. Oh, yeah. Let me, just see your, let me see your bank account just a little bit. I, I can show you where your heart is. Right. We can do that. I'm not going to do that this morning. No matter how well we think, no matter how well we talk, our works will either confirm or deny our faith. And that's why Jesus says in Matthew 5 and 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. There's another charge here that sometimes we, we look at. It's, it's called legalism. Everybody heard that term before? Legalism. Sometimes we get called legalist by saying it's a New Testament thing. It's a, it's a tithing is a New Testament thing. There's also a tendency to, to apply those negative labels to, to anything we would rather not do so that we can excuse ourselves from the responsibility of doing what we should do. How many knows that's called justify? We justify our actions. We justify those things. Let me talk to you about legalism. When I was growing up, it's apparent now, it, I didn't know that at the time, but Brother Roger, it's apparent now that my dad was a legalist. He, is, he had a problem with legalism. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because he made me get up at a certain time. He felt like I needed to be busy doing something, not just laying in the bed. He was a legal, he had a, he had a legalism problem. He made me act a certain way. And I didn't, I didn't want to. But he was a legalist. Mom was worse than he was. We had to eat at a certain time. I couldn't just come and go as I wanted to. Hello, somebody. Mom even made me take showers. Believe that or not. She thought at times I was dirty. And I smelled. She had a legalism problem. She made me, Sister Teresa, she wiped behind my ears. And blow my nose. Take my filthy pants off and put on some fresh pants. Straighten up a little bit. Mom had issues. <laughs> Judgments were made. Punishments was given because of that legalism. Here's another thing I want you to consider. We're talking about legalism. Farmers 
If you ever done any farming, farmers, farmers are legalists too. For some reason, they feel like they've got to plow the land at a certain time. Go figure. For some reason, they feel like they've got to harvest their, their crops at a certain time. For some reason, they, they feel this way. They, they're adamant about when they do things. And mom and dad, they convinced me over the years that even training children is a serious business. That ought to be a class we give all the time. I've known now what I didn't know then, Brother Rod. There's some valuable lessons that Mama taught me that I didn't like back then, but it helped me today. It showed me some things today. So we can talk about legalism all we want to, but God has given principles in His Word which are reliable now as they were 50 or as they were 500 years ago. It's still true today. And we walk around sometimes saying that we, 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 we've changed. We've moved from that time, Pastor Danny. We no longer have to act and do that. That's not what the Word is telling us to do. That's not what the Word says. He told us even one time you can build your, your house on a rock or a sand, right? We know if you build your house upon the, upon the sand, the floods is going to come, and it's going to tear your house down. Or we could build our house upon a rock. And we know if we do that, then our house will stand. Our house will stand. And to build anywhere other than on the Lord Jesus Christ is simply to build upon the sand. So there's no sense of us, listen to me, church, there's no sense of us listening to part of the rules and guidelines of Almighty God, and we leave out part of them, we're still not going to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I enjoy living a blessed life. And when I live a blessed life, God is for me. He's not against me. But when I go outside of the umbrella and I get outside of the shelter of Almighty God, I subject myself to all kinds of things. Now, I am thankful. When I recognize that and I recognize my issues, I can come back to God. And He forgives me and He touches me. Amen. The principle of tithing was revealed in His Word. As we've, we've looked at tithing earlier, and it's always been Jesus' purpose of bringing material possessions under authority. Let me ask you a question. Don't answer this, but just, just ask yourself. Have you given everything over to Him? All of your possessions, do they belong to Almighty God? Is everything that you possess really His? Nehemiah one time came to Jerusalem at a time when, when disobedience of God's Word, he, he left the they left the nation in ruins. You know the story there. One thing we failed to preach about many times, he came back, Sister Mavis, and he rebuilt the walls. He got everything back in order. But you know not only what else he done? He restored tithing. He restored the giving of the nation. He restored that process that they once had. And we have to discipline ourselves in order to do that. We, have to dis we don't like discipline anymore in our nation. But we have to discipline ourselves. Discipline, listen, if you don't get nothing else, then get this. Discipline is the key to real freedom in your life today. Amen. It's the key to real freedom in your life. The disciplined pilot, if you will, that flies the airplane, he has a freedom to fly safety if he follows the rules. Right? If he doesn't follow the rules, he's going to crash. The farmer has the freedom to plant and to harvest, and to do whatever he needs to do if he follows the guidelines, what he knows to be right. If he misses that, he's going to miss the harvest. You and I as a church, you and I as a church, we have responsibilities. We're accountable to the Lord Jesus Christ, are we not? He has called us to such a time as this. As I was telling New Beginnings class this morning, our methods from time to time has to change, but our message never changes. 
We may do different things in the church. We may do different projects. We may do different services. We may do different all kinds of things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But our message needs to stay the same. Amen. If our message ever changes, we get outside of the shelter of Almighty God and we subject ourselves to all kinds of things that the enemy would want to bring into us. Amen. The spirit of lawlessness has reached the church. The spirit of lawlessness has reached the church. Christ, who created all things, who created all things, he gave us these principles for us to establish that law for that universe, for who we are in, our, in Christ, to follow those things. We believers are now unconditionally committed to God's word when we follow the word of Almighty God. Not the world in which we live in. Not the word of the world in which we live in. Says Michelle, if you'll come real quick and begin to play softly, if you don't mind. We begin to listen to the Spirit. We begin to listen to His guidance. And I understand here we're, we're primarily talking about tithing and offerings and all of these things. And God can bless us and God can minister to us when we follow that. And we listen to the voice of God. But even if, if we cut all of that out, and we understand that principle. Don't allow any other principle to fall down in your life in a relationship as following and listening to the voice of Almighty God. It's important to us. It's important to you as an individual. It's important to you as a family. It's important to us as a body of believers. Amen. It's important to us. You face pastors, all these things, can all these things happen, the blessings and all these things you're talking about just simply come through the, through the area of tithing and offering? Yes, it can. Yes, it can. That's why, the, that's why the Scripture says, Prove me, says the Lord. Try me, says the Lord. Why don't you just do this and just see if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you? Just see if I'll open the windows of heaven for you. I've heard story after story. I've heard a couple of them this past week about how people has changed their giving, changed their, their methods of tithing, and how God has showed up in their life. I'm not going to give their story. I, I hope they're able to give their story. But it's evident of the fact that God simply shows up. I will tell this, and they may be listening online. I don't think they'll mind about this. Two weeks ago, I was up in St. Louis seeing Brittany. Ricky was up there, her husband. And he pulls me aside. And I get over there, and everybody else goes into the room. He says, Pastor Danny, I need to ask you something. He said, I wasn't never brought up to tithe. I wasn't never brought up to, to honor God like that. But Brittany, she has been. And she's been talking to me. She's been teaching me a little bit. Some of you remember Ricky when he came and gave his heart to the Lord, right down here at this altar, on to my right-hand right side. And God has been blessing, and God has been showing him some things. But he said, you know, because of what she's told me, I... I want to continue doing what she is doing. Even though we may be up here in the hospital, I want to continue to do that. How do I do that? We talked a little bit. And this is what he said. He said, it's amazing to me how God has blessed since I started doing this. It's amazing to me how God just seems to keep pouring in upon our life since we started doing this. Now, you guys already know it's not cheap to stay in the hospital. This girl had a double lung transplant. You do the math. It ain't cheap. Insurance only do so much. But he says in his own words that God, from people he said I don't even know, 
has poured into our family in the area of money. And he said, I attribute it to our faithfulness in paying tithe. I can tell you this, and, 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 I, and I, hope you don't, I hope you won't take me wrong when I say this. But I've watched Ricky and Brittany since he told me that. And every week, been two or three weeks now, they've been faithful to pay their tithe to this church. They're not giving necessarily to this church. They're giving it to God. I, we know that. But God has honored them with their faithfulness. God has honored that. Do you, are you telling me that? I, I, I'm going to tell you, you can't, you can't tell me that God is not going to bless and heal and minister to that, that family. He's done it for you. He's done it for me. I give you three or four times that, Sister Mary, God has spared my life. That has saved me. That, that caused me not to go out and be dead, in other words, because of tragedies and things that happen. And it was just a, mess, a blessing of Almighty God. Why do you say that, Pastor? I, I attribute it to one of the areas of tithing and offering. Say, oh, Pastor, God's just good like that. Yeah, he, he's good like that. But I'll tell you, when we honor God with our first fruits, like those priests just lost in the Old Testament did when they went and they cut those bundles of barley, and at harvest time, they put that, those bundles together, and they begin to wave that barley before the Lord. And they made this statement. He said, okay, now the first fruits is holy. And now the whole harvest is holy as well. Hallelujah. I will tell you something. When I bring my tithe like I did this morning, when I bring my tithe and I place it in that offering receptacle, when I place it there, God is saying, okay, the first fruit is holy. And now, Brother Danny, everything that you own, is now holy as well. Woo! That's enough to shout about. I'm walking around in holy shoes. Not really, but they're holy. I'm wearing holy clothes. Why is that? Because God said, my first fruit was holy. Now everything else is holy. Amen. I'm driving a car that's holy when I get into it. Oh, I know it may have a flat tire every now and then. I know I may have to get a battery for it every now and then. I understand those things but it's still holy. Amen. Because God said, the whole harvest is holy. With all heads bowed and eyes closed real quick, I don't want to, I don't want to leave this morning without giving you opportunity, if you haven't already done it, to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You say, Brother Danny, how do you give an altar call when you're talking about tithing and offering to people about salvation? Well, this is how. If you don't know Jesus... You need to find him. I'm not judging you this morning if you don't tithe. Don't, don't, don't you dare leave thinking I'm doing that. That's between you and God. That ain't between me and you. That's between you and God. I'm just giving you what the Word says. My opportunity and my job and my role this morning is to give you the truth of the gospel in every area of our life. And I'm telling you that this area of tithing and offering can release a freedom in you and a direction. Now, here's the thing. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, this is what will happen. If you have not tithed whatsoever, and God begins to deal with you about tithing, I'm going to tell you what's going to take place. The enemy will show up in your life, and he'll cause some disasters a little bit in your life. You'll have a flat tire here. Your car will mess up there. The refrigerator will go out there. And you'll make statements like, I thought that when I paid my tithe, everything was going to be all right. 
Here's the reason. The enemy don't want a freedom in your life. He doesn't want a freedom. He doesn't want that kind of freedom in your life. When you begin to release everything over to God, he knows he has no more hold upon you. But I'm telling you, ignore all that stuff. Just allow the presence of Almighty God to show up in your life and continue to bless and continue to minister unto you. Amen. He'll do it. He'll do it. And you will begin to experience a freedom in Him of the mercy and the grace of Almighty God that He's poured. Your whole harvest will begin to be holy. It'll begin to be holy. Father, I want to thank You today. I want to thank You for Your many blessings today. I want to thank You for Your touch upon our life today. I want to thank You for that. They're getting ready to play and getting ready to sing maybe a chorus or two, but while you're sitting there in the quietness of this moment, I just want to ask you in this balcony on this main floor, do you know the Lord today? Do you want to re re release everything to Him? Are you ready to surrender everything? Your life, your pocketbook, everything over to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. He's here to meet your need today. He's here to meet your need today. They're going to sing a chorus, and while they're singing, I just want you to be praying. Just keep your head bowed, eyes closed. Be praying, asking God what He wants you to do this morning. And then we're going to close in just a second. Hallelujah.